Hoan. It's Hoan now. There's an H at the beginning of Hoan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I figured. I figured uh, that spice it up a bit. Hello, Internet, and welcome to the very calm <laughs> opening of Stay Report Jr. Uh, I, oh, oh, what's the thing? A podcast you should be listening to. <laughs> Subscribe to and downloading every week. I am one of your hosts, Zach Sarawick. And I am the other host, Dale Decker. I brought such we weird are... NPR energy to this. I'm sorry. Really... I didn't mean to it's when okay. I started talking. <laughs> I was, I was going to say that we are consummate professionals. I mean, that's not true. No. But... <laughs> <laughs> not at all. It took me three spent, times to you open. You an embarrassing amount of time trying to get a picture of Spider-Man's ass yesterday. We are not I, consummate I professionals. Did. I did. Yeah, I specifically talked about that off recording. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can't help it if you have a better idea of what America's ass should be. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a better ass. Yeah, I spent, I did, I did spend too much time taking pictures of Spider-Man's oh. ass. And like, I was looking back through them and I thought there was more, <clears throat> but, there, but it's like, there's no, it's just, not. You just, kept, you just kept taking and deleting them when they weren't good. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. It was like I would I would go into photo mode, get the angle. I'm like, no, nah, that's not right. All right, let's leave photo mode. Oh, I should probably take care of this hostage situation that I'm in the middle of. Nah, it'll be fine. Literally how I take photos for online dating profiles. I take them, I delete them, I like this one's not good, and then I realize there's a hostage situation behind me that I'm not taking care of. Yeah, exactly. And so... <laughs> But I don't have my mask or my costume because <laughs> it doesn't fit under my clothes. So Yeah. Ugh. It was a it was a fun fourth of July for me. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, America. <laughs> Sitting at home, drinking and playing Spider Man. I mean, you could work all day like I did I know, and take on true. an extra shift in the middle of a day where you're already working all day. Mm -hmm. So That is true. That is true. Don't People, we all know when you call out on a holiday what you're doing. Just don't bother lying, okay? Oh, my God. Did they lie? Yes. Because <laughs> what, the, you... what happened was two people called out of work. One of them is not my job, so it doesn't matter if I... Yeah. <laughs> but but because the, the front desk person for the afternoon was like, oh, I'm sick. I'm like, no, you're not. It's the 4th of July. Don't even try that. And then not 20 minutes later, <laughs> the van driver for overnight... Oh, my cat's sick. I can't come in, which is great because that's a bad lie. You don't come up with something where someone else is sick and you have to take care of them because they, then they do things like say, well, it doesn't sound like you're sick, so you can still come in for three hours yeah. in the morning. And we'll find someone to cover the other eight, yeah. five hours of your shift. Oh, oh, man. Crazy, crazy. Oh, I didn't even have like the hotel wasn't even like fun and haunted this time. Half empty because, like, no one travels for the 4th of July, apparently. That's actually, well, yeah, that's surprising. I feel like you would have to bust up some parties. Nah. That's boring. No. That is boring. It is boring. Um, so, yeah, I worked all day. It was very boring. But more importantly, mm -hmm. more importantly, mm -hmm. was that earlier this week, Yes. we did two things <laughs> that were amazing. <laughs> We both ended our time with the Scream film franchise and our time with the Infinity Saga of Woo! the MCU. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Uh, <laughs> and I think there's more overlap there than there should be. Um, 
Yeah. But bef- quite before we get to that discussion and have to tag the spoiler friends in, um, have you did, did you do anything else this week <laughs> that you want to talk about? Oh, hmm. I I don't know. I don't know what I've done this week, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. No. I um really were just was been playing spider-man ps4 again because watching far from home got me into that again and um i started the the only other like really big thing i think would be that i started mr inglacius on netflix and i love it because it's just so cheesy but it's um uh, it's gonna be fun when that thing gets canceled in two seasons. Oh yeah, it, it might not even <laughs> get a second season. A second season, Ugh. like I don't know if people are really gonna be, like, all about it, just because well, it's, it's. The problem it's... is that it they could be, and we'll never know because <laughs> Netflix doesn't tell people anything about who watches their shows until they decide to cancel it and go well not enough people were watching yeah but they won't tell anybody what that number actually is yeah so that they know how many people need to watch i don't know i think it's really good it's like he's a he's so he's a a history teacher and um the first episode is about how like half of his students are getting expelled from from school and it's basically like they all the kids get these notices is expulsion ex, ex, it's expulsion where you don't come back you can't come yes. back basically is expulsion and, and, right and just out of curiosity is this a charter school by any chance i don't know do they say no this is a thing with charter with like the whole like charter school craze that came up is that one of two things happens every time charter schools open is that either they serve just like private schools where all of the people who's like parents could donate money to things like sports programs and band programs and stuff all take their money and their kids elsewhere to a charter school because they're quote unquote better even though statistically they're not uh leaving schools with like no one to help them keep them afloat yeah uh or the other direction is they get rid of all of the kids that are underperforming to make the school look better and then those kids get shipped off to a charter school where they're just not given anywhere near any of the, the decent help so, so i was just curious it's, if it's, any of that came up in that. well it's more the second one okay it's more your second example because it's definitely like there it's a public school where the this dude uh he's in the office and i don't know his name in the office um but he's like oh if we get our school up michael scott by the way is the guy from the office i know that's hard to forget some that's hard to remember sometimes anyway it's it's not Michael Scott, though. I know. It was a joke. Because <laughs> you said I forgot the guy in the off. Anyway. No, I know. I got it. <sighs> I know. I did think that Michael Scott was a real person. I that's another. <laughs> that could be another story for another time. But I, I, uh, I did at one point think that Michael Scott was an actual person and not just Steve Carell. Not just Steve Carell. Yeah, okay. Good. I was like, I think it's Steve Carell. <laughs> Maybe it's not. But um, it's it's a guy who was in the office, but he um, he's like, yeah, if we get these kids out of here, we're our school our school will like go up, and and he like talks about how his mortgage like, it's gross, it's like fucking gross how he just he talks about these kids' education, and he's like, yeah, and then I won't you know I won't have to my house will be in a better area and I can get it. <laughs> 
like get more money or whatever and i'm like this is disgusting like these are children who, welcome to who the american need... dream oh, people it's so bad i wish this was something it, i wish this yeah. was like hyperbole for this show yeah no it's uh. it was it's like that and it's the first episode so it's like oh my god like way to way to rope me in and like punch me in the gut all at the same time and so uh, Gabriel Iglesias is the main character, is the main guy. He's Mr. Iglesias. He's playing Gabriel Iglesias basically as a teacher. <laughs> the character. Um, yes. The character of Gabriel Iglesias. TV's and... Gabriel Iglesias. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, so he's like, no, these these kids, there's like another school that they would get shipped off to that they call the Alcatraz of, of high school or whatever. It's right. Like, so like yeah. a, either some sort of technical school or yeah, like a bad or like a, 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 bad... a low rent charter school yep, or. Yep. yep. Yeah. So juvie so school, basically, it's basically like a juvie school. Yeah. So yeah. it's so he's like, no, I'm going to get these kids grades up. Like we're going to do summer school, anything to get these kids because it's not fair. Like it's just because they're underperforming and because you can't sell your house or whatever. Like, no, <laughs> that's not going to happen. And it's so it's basically like Gabriel Iglesias against this guy. And like the second episode, um, it's like oral reports that they have to give at the end of summer in order to like be re-enrolled for the fall. And he's like, nope, that one kid failed, you know, <laughs> because he got distracted by the hot teacher and Gabriel's like, no, that's not fair. He is a kid. And you, and you like, last minute changed who is going to be judging their oral report. And he's a 14-year-old high school, like, kid. Of course he's going to get distracted by the hottest teacher in school. That's not <laughs> fair. And, and so, so it's like, so that one... And then the third one, it's just like it's just like all of these competitions that always go right. Like they always come out right, but the third one is all about privacy and how the guy from the office is like, "Yep, giving all of our kids clear backpacks." Oh god. And it's it's just like Jesus. This is awful. <laughs> this is hard to watch, but it's it's I love it. It's that actually really sells me more on the show. I mean, the, the 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 trailer that plays when Netflix turned on because Netflix, um, <laughs> I did actually like that that first episode where they're like explaining the whole like expelling the kids thing and all of that was actually yeah. interesting to me. That I was like, oh, that's working on a completely different level than I expected. Yeah. It's just that I also look at it and I just think about like one day at a time and the fact that Netflix will just cancel that thing in a heartbeat if they feel like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I, yeah, I um, and one day at a time has three seasons now, right? Three seasons, and I think they finally that the the channel that has Shit's Creek, that like pop channel or whatever, uh -huh. that like just that just picked them up for their fourth, and like gave them a fourth season, which is really nice. Okay. But even their third season, I think they had to fight for yeah. Netflix. So it came, there was like an article or something that was going around where or like excerpts from an article where, and I'm sorry, Seijin, I know that you work. <laughs> this is your company, but keeping this journalistically separate whatever the hell we fall under on this podcast yeah, journalists. Um, i don't know so there's a pro like there was basically like quotes from executives and stuff that were like well every show peaks in its second season and then starts to fall so why bother even keeping shows on after two seasons and then someone was like 
in response to one of those tweets was like, yeah, but they also require you to come to them with like a five year plan for your show or they won't even consider it. Maybe. So they're basically telling you to plan out five years, but we're going to cancel you after the first act. Like, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> uh, and like, I feel like if a show, I feel like also like Stranger Things has all of this right, backing so Stranger, behind it and all, right, like, and like, all of it's the got the more Stranger production Things, too, too. Right. So. And that's because it's the first one, and that's because it was the first hit. Like, mm. the reason that they haven't, the, the reason that Stranger Things, like, they have already said, the guys that, that make Stranger Things are like, yeah, we have a five year plan. So when season two came out and was like a little underwhelming, they were like, well, that's because this is just set up for the last three seasons of the show. We need to reintroduce some, we need to introduce some new characters and get some stuff laid out. But, yeah. like, if that were any other show, we just wouldn't have seen a season three. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's crazy. The the only thing, the thing about Mr. Inglacius that I don't, I don't, I don't know if it would get another season just because I don't really know. I mean, there's 10 episodes. The first season is 10 episodes, which is the standard, like, Netflix series, uh, Netflix season. And it just seems like it's going to be, like, antics around the school. But I just don't know. I mean, I've only watched three se- three episodes. I just don't know where, like, a second season would take them. That's um like, I feel like that's something that sitcoms in general struggled with all yeah. the time, which is like after you introduce the characters, you have to start doing something with them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if Netflix isn't going to give them the budget to move off of that set, yeah, like what are they going to do with that? <laughs> like I would, I would almost so basically the first episode is their last day of freshman year. So it's all these kids' last day of freshman year. They're going on to be sophomores. Second episode, it's the end of summer. So they're about to start their sophomore year, right? <laughs> so like so, pilot and then season pickup, it kind of sounds pretty like pretty much the way that that works. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So it's, it's the way that I would want to see this go is that season one is their sophomore year, season two is their junior year, season three is their senior year, and then I don't need a season four to see them off to college, but it'd be cool. But I could very well just get an ending episode where all of the kids go off and like do what they're going to do after after high school and you know, so like kind of like a book smart ending yeah where it's like i don't need to see what they're doing i just need to know what they're doing and know that they're going to be okay pretty much you know so but i just don't see that i don't know i would it would be fantastic if that's what happens but you never know you never yeah. know you really don't yeah anymore oh and it's also it's also like he dedicates it to a teacher that he had in school who believed in him when he didn't so it's like really personal for him as well it seems so maybe it will stay around because he'll he'll fight for it i don't know yeah yeah it's hard to tell how much pull he might have in that situation but Mm. who knows exactly i don't know but yeah it's i really i recommend it it's fun it's cute it's it, it's just fun to watch these kids like fight for what they believe in and fight against the school system, which is kind of shitty at times. So, yeah. Huzzah! <laughs> <laughs> Uplifting. <laughs> Uplifting to the highest degree. Um, yeah. So. Have you been doing anything else this week or just working? Uh, I mean, mostly working, but here's what working has allowed me to do. Uh, I have been just running through audiobooks like they're fucking, like binging them like they're Netflix series. 
So after like um, immediately, probably the same day, if not the day after we did our we recorded our Dark Tower Hot Topic episode. Yeah. I just started listening to the Dark Tower series again. Yeah. Because um, Audible is weird. So I have them through Audible. Amazon's like e- ebook or audiobook service. Yeah. And what's weird about Audible is, hmm, I'm trying to think of the best way to explain this. So every book that I have on Audible, I have maybe 20 or so. Uh, I got because I had signed up for Audible for like almost two years. And so they do, it's like $15 a month. Every month they give you a credit and that credit can be used to get basically any book that they, ha- that they have. You can get one of them, which means that you can end up getting a lot of books half off because a lot of those books are like 30 bucks, especially yeah. if they're newer. Um, so you can end up getting a $30 book for $15. And depending on how quickly you, you go through those, that could be your whole month to go through them, especially when you start talking about like Stephen King and his 20-hour fucking books. <laughs> um, so... What was strange was that after, you know, that almost two years or whatever, I canceled my subscription because I was just, I was starting to fall behind. Mm. So I have like four or five books that I still have not listened to on there. And I still went back and re-listened to eight books instead because that's just what I do. Um, so, so, so do you get to keep the book even if that's you don't exact, have the subscription? Yeah, so that's what it, that's the thing. So I went back into Audible thinking that I was going to have to sign up for the subscription again to, to yeah. listen to them. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. no, straight up, here's your library and here's your 20 books. You can do whatever you want with those. I mean, that's Even like, if you're not paying for them. Because they consider great. it, that credit they give you is considered a purchase of that book, not, you know, a, not like a license to the book or whatever, the way that like video game subscriptions work. Yeah. That, so that's I was how like, I thought it would work is like kind of how we were talking about Stadia and stuff. It would work. Yeah, yeah, I think everybody kind of – and maybe it did for a while and they changed it. I don't know because now maybe, – Or maybe we're just so used to that. Pretty much. Because like... it's – I mean because when you do the math on that, they they could and could not be losing money. I mean theoretically, someone probably sat down and did the math and was like, well – they pay $15 a month and pick up a book that way, they're yeah. more likely to get more books than if they just bought the books one at a time whenever they felt like it. Because then you'd probably have like one person buys one $30 book once every six months. You make $60 a year out of them versus $15 a month subscription and they're more likely to go in there and browse and find stuff and now you're making whatever 15 times 12 is. I don't do math. Nope. Um, I don't do math on principle. Uh, <laughs> Um, you know, you make that $60, that same $60 in five months. Yeah. In five months versus, you know, 12. Yeah. So you can make that. And if they keep going, like I did, they made, you know, $300 off of me in the 20 months I had them versus the, who, however little, the nothing they were making off me before really. Exactly. Um, so that was nice. So I listened, so I still have not signed up for audible get and now when you look at it it's like that 15 dollars a month gets you the one book credit and then what they call audible exclusives which i don't know if that's audiobooks or i know that they've done like podcasts and stuff too so mm-hmm. there's like shows so that just gives you two credits for those as well like they very clearly have like just added to whatever that 15 dollars gets you um so that's nice so i really listened to the whole dark tower series <laughs> in two months eight books each of which takes like Anywhere between The Gunslinger, which takes like eight hours, and Book 7, The Dark Tower, which takes like 20-something. Um, and in like like straight up two months, I went through all of those. Yeah. Um, and then 
I listened to Carrie, another like seven hour book, because I was like, oh, you know what? Because I, I had them. I have Carrie and Salem's Lot and The Shining, because at some point I was like, oh, I'm just going to get all of Stephen King's books on audiobooks as I listened to <laughs> Audible. And that's when I ended up having like more books than I could handle. Yeah, yeah. Ended up canceling the thing. So I listened to Carrie, and that took me like two days because it's an eight hour story. Mm-hmm. And then I also had I Know What You Did Last Summer, which I, I thought. I did see that. So here's the thing about that, though. I thought it was the 1973 book, which was then made into the movie. But apparently in 2010, someone was like, what if we re-released the, the novel of I Know What You Did Last Summer, but we made it more modern. Oh, God. <laughs> and so there's like, well, of course, obviously, this is all being like recorded by someone reading it. So it's not like they just like inserted lines into an already existing audiobook. It's just someone reading them straight. But you can still tell when someone's like, oh, yeah, and so-and-so texted this person. It's like, whoa, hold on. We're Wait, like, what? We're like two hours into this book, and you just mentioned texting? Who has a cell phone? Yeah. You've never mentioned cell phones in this book. Jesus. That's crazy. Um, That's and so yet, weird. And, I, I have so many questions. Well, what's also weird about that is that, like, so 1973, that book comes out at the height of Vietnam protesting. Mm-hmm. And there are student protests. One of the, the like, there's main main plot points take place around the fact that there are student protests on a campus, and so it's like used as cover for something. And they just make it the Iraq War. Oh wow! <laughs> just like Jeez. oh, so and so is a so and so went to Iraq after this or something, or like oh, they're just protesting. You know, they're just having anti-war protests on Memorial Day because we still do that in 2010. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So it was weird, but it's also very clearly like a book that was written in 1973 because yeah. one of the characters is 18 and didn't go to college, instead got a job at their local news station and has their own apartment. But sure. Yeah, you got to suspend some, uh, <laughs> some disbelief there. <laughs> yeah. Played by Sarah Michelle Gellar in the movie. But that's, a, that's <laughs> the other thing that's weird, right? The book comes out in 1973. The movie comes out in 1997, right after Scream. And then this comes out in 2010. So this isn't even have this has nothing to do, or like the movie has nothing to do with this revision. The yeah. movie does its own way of modernizing that story in the 90s. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure like it it changes stuff like, to oh, be more modern. Dale, it changes so much. We got to watch that movie oh because the whole fisherman killer with the hook thing is not even in the book. That's literally something they just put in the movie because of the urban because... legend of the hook on the like uh, of the hook killer with the on the the hook on the door handle thing hashling and slasher yeah basically (laughs) they just were like oh by the way we just put this into this other story (laughs) has nothing to do (laughs) that's crazy yeah i was just Uh, like i was thinking i'm like how do you go about just like we're just gonna rewrite this i guess it's how people do we're just gonna remake this movie it's not even like rewriting it's like like, someone scanned through different sentences and went what if we just mentioned computers in this line like there's a character that's like in the hospital and his mother's like sitting there talking to him as as he's recovering it's like oh we're gonna move you back into the house because he was like living in a frat house on campus or something it's like we're gonna move you in the house we're repainting your bedroom and we can even roll in the portable tv and your computer in there too whenever you're ready to come home like yeah we're just gonna drop it in any chance we get yep just plop in here and there oh, like crazy. there's like a whole there's like a whole thing where like 
they're going to go to someone's house, so they need an excuse for why they are coming up to the house to, to use the phone because it's no longer 1973 and they can't just waltz up and be like, by the way, our car broke down. It's yes. like, oh, yeah, we'll just tell them our cell phones died and then we'll be able to get in. It's like, okay, cool. Just going to drop that line in there? Yeah. Drop that line in. Oh, our cell phones casually died, both <laughs> of them. For at the same time? And then and we're we gonna have go up no to the, chargers? And, and then when we go up to the house, exactly, we'll go up to the house and talk to these people and, not, and these people are not going to offer a charger yeah. for that my conversation. God. My God. That's crazy. <laughs> That's, yeah, you need to, oh, you just man. need to let it happen, I guess. Just let it, just let it be read to you. <laughs> just believe it's a, whatever it's, it's read. It's, it's also interesting, like, you start to notice the like production differences yeah. between them because I think I texted you about this. The the Stevie the Dark Tower books have a fucking theme song yes. basically. Yes. It's like it's like if like it's it's it, it, I mean it's Western you know it's like Western rock music Amazing. at the start of every book. And so like it makes like watching Justified. It's like, all of a sudden... <laughs> like you, you, you telling me that made me want to listen to them because I'm like, yeah, I need some Dark Tower theme music in uh, my life. There's a, there is actually I have to find it. There is an album. Oh that my god! Some, it's like a metal album or something that someone put together that is like all music inspired by the Dark Tower. Oh, that's incredible. But then there are also people out there. There are articles, and I'm sure there's a Spotify playlist of all of the music that is referenced in those eight books. Yeah. Starting with Hey Jude all the Jeez. way down. Oh my god. That's um, incredible. So, uh, but. It, like I know what you did last summer is just a dude reading. Like I'm sure it's a guy who does voice work for a living, and it sounds fine. And he does enough to like differentiate the voices versus that you're like, okay, this is so and so character talking right now. But then you listen to like the Dark Tower books where they're straight up doing completely different voices for yeah. each. And it's even funnier when you get to the eighth book and it's Stephen King reading it because it's Stephen King trying to do different voices for people, which is not. <laughs> something he's trained to do you can tell at least one of those characters he is straight up pinching his nose oh my god talk because <laughs> he all of a sudden he starts mumbling a little bit and you're like you're just standing there with your fingers over your nostrils Hello. basically that's what the character sounds like i wish i knew quotes other than <laughs> whatever what do you think you're gonna do? Come into this town and start throwing drugs around and all this stuff? It's like, dude, you're just seriously, you're just mumbling into a microphone. It's so oh, good. <laughs> and then you get like Carrie is read by Sissy's basic, which is great because she's a great dramatic actor, mm. but she's not doing voices. <laughs> but she's giving you all of this inflection in a different way yeah. because she's just a good, she's just good at drama. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Kate Mulgrew does like one of the. Does the Fireman by Joe Hill, who's like Stephen mm -hmm. King's son? That's a thirty-hour book. Oh Jesus! Yeah, that's crazy. What happens that's when you have awesome, a thousand-page book that you then have to? Well, record? yeah, read. Oh, God, read God, help record. me when I get to the stand. I don't even want to know how many hours that's going to be. I can't the fourteen-hundred-page book, Dale. Jeez. <laughs> the complete unabridged version of the stand is fourteen hundred pages. Oh my God. Yeah, that's going to be like hours upon hours, a oh. hundred hours. So that's that's what I've been doing. Just yeah. listening to that. I'm in Salem's Lot now. It's great. <laughs> it's a completely different person. 
there was like two guys that did the entirety of the Dark Tower series, and the only reason it wasn't the same guy doing all of them is he got in like a motorcycle accident after yeah, the fourth, so he couldn't read the other three. Yeah. So it's like that's all almost entirely in just those two voices, and then all of a sudden it's just like I've heard three other people do voice right now. So you finished? I know you did last summer. Finished Carrie. Finished. I know what you did last yeah. summer because both of those were like seven-hour books. Yeah, very quick. And then Salem's Lot is like 14. Nice. So I was like, God. All the right. Shining is after that. Who okay. knows? Who knows where to go after that? Yeah. I mean, if I keep going just up the list, I guess it's Dead Zone? That's fourth one? I don't remember. Mm-hmm. I really want that to be Christopher Walken. I know it's not, but that would be great if Christopher Walken were reading The Dead Zone. <laughs> um, <laughs> but going back to I Know What You Did Last Summer, yeah, that transitions us beautifully into... Scream franchise. Yes, it does. Because we have finally, you have finally seen all four of the Scream films. Yeah, I have. We watched Scream 4 last week, and oh man, it was just as good. Like, I'm just so happy that you it, you, you had just as much to be like, what the fuck going on during yeah. that as the other three movies? Yeah, because, and I was, a, I was a little bit nervous going into that one because I'm like, because how much of a time jump, like, time difference? Um, like, when did that one come out? That came out in 2011, okay. and Screen 3 came out in 2001. So Screen right. and Screen came out in 96, so All it was right. 25 It was a 25-year jump from the first film. Yeah. yeah. So, like, it, it just felt so weird that it existed, even though for me it's like, bitch, they're all just in the same timeline for me because I'm just watching them weeks apart and months apart yeah. from each other. So it just... But I can only imagine how people, when Scream 4 was being released, they were like, wait, another one? Well, and, and so so Scream 4 comes out, 2011, like, remake is the way of most, like, everything top studio. Yes. Well, yes, but top studio horror, yeah. right? Like, um, you know, starting in, like, the late 90s in the, into the early 2000s, you start getting, like, The Fog gets remade yep. and House of Wax gets remade and... Even like sequels to things are just like, or, or like direct to video sequels are just new characters. There's a third, I know what you did last summer movie, that is just a completely separate story from the other two. And yeah. it's like a direct to video thing. Um, That's so, the coolest part about Scream 4 is yeah, that so, it is the same world. Right. So Scream 4 gets announced and they're like, we're not doing a remake. This is straight up. What if we just came back to these characters 25 years later? And it inadvertently kicks off eight years ahead of time, kicks off what we're doing now, which is the sequel, (laughs) which is like the sequel reboot type of thing. Like you don't get Halloween 2018 without Scream 4 coming out first. Yeah, because Scream 4 comes out and people are like, oh, my God. (laughs) It's actually like a decent movie to sit down and watch. This wasn't fucking horrible like we all thought it was going yeah. to be. No, it not like when I said I was nervous, I was just like, this just seems like it's going to be different somehow. I don't know if it's because it's Emma Roberts, not Thompson. I almost <laughs> said Thompson again. I don't know if it's because it has like newer faces in it or if it's something like it just felt so different every time the trailer would play before any of the other three and i'm like yeah that's i can't imagine like how it will stand up but it does it does what's interesting is still super fun what's interesting is i think we went through because i did the same thing like i I saw that movie was coming out and i was like okay so hidden manitaire is in this who's 22 Mm -hmm. and still playing 17 year olds yeah and uh emma roberts is in this and she's coming from like nickelodeon 
Mm-hmm. Right? That was what And like Nancy Drew. Like she was yeah. she was exactly. Nancy Drew. She was it, unfabulous for me. Like it, like you've got you the Culkin that, that was in Scott. Yeah, Unfabulous was what I was just thinking of. Yeah. I um, love that show. And like there's the Culkin from Scott Pilgrim yep. is in this. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, okay. This is probably what it felt like when Scream was coming out and people were like, Oh, it's Skeet Ulrich from I forget what he did in the nineties. But Nev Campbell is in Party of Five and um, like all of these like current character actors like, oh, it's Matthew Lillard from mm-hmm. Hackers is in this movie. Yeah. This is like and Rose McGowan from from what would have been Jawbreakers probably at the time. I don't remember which one came first, but I think Jawbreakers came out before Scream. Devin will correct me. <laughs> um, so like to watch the screen to watch all the Scream 4 news coming out and be like, this must be what it felt like. When someone was like, oh, all of these kids that are on TV want to be movie stars, yeah. and this is yeah. what they're going to do. I mean, Hayden Bader has always been a movie star. She, I think Nashville was her first uh, – no, Heroes, sorry, would have been her first TV yeah. show. But, like, she was in uh, Titans before that. So, like, she's always been just a yeah. TV – yeah, like a, a movie person to me. And, like, her being in Heroes was, like, always weird to me. That I was like, but she's in movies. Why is she in this TV show? Yeah. I uh, feel like I definitely saw her in some – Disney or Nickelodeon thing oh, at sure one she... point. Oh, um, but what's it called? I don't remember. Is, it, is she the one that's in the uh, Color of Friendship? Is she is she the one that's from South Africa? Is she the white chick that's from South Africa in Color of Friendship, the Disney Channel? Uh, I feel like she. No, I don't think so. I thought that was. Wait, maybe it is. For some reason, well, I can't think of her now. Now I'm just gonna call her Rogue. Uh, Anna Paquin. Yeah. For some also reason, also at the beginning Anna... of this movie. Also at the beginning of Screen Four. Yes, I thought she might be the in the Color of Friendship. I'm looking it up right now. All Color right. of Friendship. Uh, it's not Hayden Pettitaire, but it's also not her. It's someone else. Okay. Damn. Right. Anyway. Whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like I definitely saw like Hayden Pantier and something else before I actually saw her being like. I mean, in I watched Remember the Titans and... more times than I ever should yeah. have in my life because that was what every school and church function wanted to put on after yeah. Remember the Titans came out. Well, yeah, and I and I definitely so... saw that too. I saw that in weird chunks. I don't know if I. I know I've definitely seen it like beginning to end, but I don't remember sitting down and watching it beginning to end. But yes, she's obviously in that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's... but, but yeah, so, so screen four is coming out and the, then on top of that to be like, but the big news that gets everybody drawn in is, oh, but we got Nev Campbell back and yeah. we've got Courtney Cox and we've got David Arquette. We're getting the, we're, we're getting, getting all the, the original back tech. We're getting the three people who are still alive back into this movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Every... the guy that wrote screen one and Scream 2, and maybe even Scream 3. I can't remember if Kevin Williams also wrote Scream 3. And Wes Craven are coming back. Wes Craven, who does not direct movies anymore. He was too busy producing all of the remakes from before, like Nightmare on Elm Street and shit. He, Wes Craven had not directed for so long by the time Scream 4 was coming out. Like, that was their draw. Yeah. Was, was Wes Craven coming back and being like, this is where horror is going. And he was right. <laughs> he was so right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. I, um... I loved it. It was, yeah, it was just so much fun. And freaking Hayden Pantier is the best in that movie. Oh, she's so good. She is Kirby so is good. one of the best. Kirby is like a, one of the top characters in the entire franchise. Yeah. And I, like, I was so, spoilers, everybody, going forward, this is going to be a spoil zone. 
going forward from this moment on. I am so happy that she was not the killer. Right? <laughs> like, I was so, so nervous <laughs> the whole movie. And I was like, Kirby, I don't, please don't be, you have, like, like, you have the, you have all the means to do this. You definitely, I could definitely see, like, what your mov- motive could be. Like, you super, I don't know. And I was just so nervous. But then when she's playing the game on the phone to save, you know, whatever, I don't even remember his name. Uh, Culkin's name, Charlie? Yeah, Charlie, yeah. something like that. When she's playing on the phone, I'm like, all right. This is where it's going to turn. I know this is where it's going to turn. Right. You think that's what's going to happen is that she's going to turn around and be like, okay, go ahead and kill him because we're working together and this is what we planned. No, that's not even what I thought. I thought she was going to get out there. She was going to win the game. And then at that moment where she steps outside and starts freeing Charlie, I'm like, okay, one of them is about to kill the other. (laughs) I hope it's not Kirby. <laughs> but then that also means that Kirby has to die, which is yeah. equally as sad. And that's like, I mean, cause that's that that also it's why it's in four movies. Everybody has such different motivations and yep. comes from all over the place to be the kill, to be the killers mm-hmm. in these movies that it literally could be anyone for any motivation at that point. Well, so it, and it's Kirby, all it's Kirby all you could have her reasons. She'll come up with a reason at the end of the movie, just like fucking uh, Scott. Ad- uh, it's almost said Scott adds it. Scott Foley did. <laughs> well, but the thing is, is that it's always been tied to like Sydney, Sydney, and like, her it's, it's right. always been the Prescotts. It's always been tied to the Prescotts. So like Kirby totally could have been like your fucking cousin comes in to town and all the the entire the, the entire town goes crazy over her and and i and it, like her motivation would be like i wanted to make us famous like like which is essentially what the motivation which is, is the motivation being. but right. it's but it means more it does mean more that it is jill it is it is emma <laughs> emma watson jesus oh. what is her name Emma Roberts. No, I know. I just there's too many Emmas in this world. Is she Eric's daughter? I've never really actually figured out who, how she's know. connected to Jill and all of that. Jill, Julia. I don't Jill, know. Julia, Robert, Emma Watson, Thompson. I'm having a stroke. That's why I'm gonna anyway. call her Jill. <laughs> no confusion there. Um, no, but she, like for Jill to be like, yeah, like I grew up in your shadow, blah blah blah. I, you know how it was like, like that. It could have been a Kirby motivation to be like, yeah, I wanted, I wanted to be famous for being a killer. Like, like I wanted to have that same kind of fame around us, and this is how it's gonna happen. <laughs> and it's just like, and, and and she's like, imagine, imagine the fame I get for killing Sidney Prescott. She, like, just brings it one level up. And that's that was going through my head. I'm like, what the fuck are you going to do, Kirby? Why are you going to do this? And then I'm, and then no. And then I was happy and really sad at the same time. <laughs> and, I mean, that's the, and that's the thing, right? Like, that's, that's what the movie is always really – all of the movies are always really good at doing is, like, everybody has any good reason to be doing what they're doing. Because slasher yeah. flicks just pull shit out of their ass half the time. Yeah. And – it's always it always ends up being like some of their best actors that are going to come out and be their killers because they have to start acting nuts. Yeah. And Emma Roberts is so good at that she, turn. Oh my god. That 
that, that moment, Fight Club scene where she's beating the shit out of herself <laughs> in the movie. It's in almost the house. to death. It's so good, and it's like, oh my god, there was a there was that moment where I was like, yeah, but Sydney can't be dead. There's no way that this movie ends with Jill getting away with all of this, right? And then you were like, well, there's an Act Four. Just wait. And I'm like, like yeah, so I know, know there's an Act Four. Half hour longer than but, every other one yeah. because there's an Act Four. <laughs> I'm like, I know there has to be, but like, I need to see. I need to, like, it's gonna be crazy. And then all the hospital stuff just made me want to watch Happy Death Day. <laughs> all the hospital stuff just made me want to watch that. Um, but yeah, that her going completely insane was beautiful like i could just watch that scene i could just watch that scene over and over and over again because of how insane her acting is and it's like yeah okay emma, emma roberts you came to play you came you came to this set to freaking play oh right we forgot that you're actually fucking good at this yeah you're actually really good at this and it's just and, like, it's also funny for me to go from watching her, my prime, like, my primary um, exposure to Emma Roberts was Unfabulous. And then it was Nancy Drew. But it was mainly Unfabulous. So it's like, how did you, how, <clears throat> it's like, what is, what a difference in character you have to play. And it's, it's just it's in, it's great. It's I want her to do more. I want her to do more right now. And she did is doing more. She's doing more horror stuff, right? Right. Well, she she goes from here into America American Horror Story. Yeah. So she's in season three uh, as like again just just the bitch character. <laughs> so she's just like the top line just jerk the whole season, and it's so good. She's so good at it. And so she just gets to like she gets to overact everything, yep. and she gets to be just a complete jackass to everybody. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, like it's a, and then and then Scream Queens, right? And then Scream Queens, yeah. which ends up I think only lasting what two seasons. But Probably, I don't know yeah. what she's doing now. now. But I'm yeah. sure. Oh, she know. did that Nerve movie with James. Oh Franco. yes! How could I forget about Nerve? <laughs> I'm so sorry. I if I am so sorry that that is that that. I'm sorry for your ears, but how could I fucking forget about Nerve? That movie's incredible. Oh my, I'm so mad at myself. <laughs> I am so upset. Have you seen Nerve? I don't think I have, actually. Oh, Zach. <laughs> that needs to happen. That's going to be somewhere, right? That's going to be. That seems like a movie I, that would show up I on a streaming service somewhere. Prime. It's on Prime. Or who, I don't know. It was. For a, for a little bit, because I was like, oh shit, I'm watching this again. I that movie is so much fun. I'm so mad at myself for forgetting <laughs> that she is in that movie. Oh, it is her, right? Yeah, no, yeah, it has yeah, to it's be. Yeah, and James Franco. It's definitely it's not, not James, James Franco, Franco Dave, Dave Franco. Franco. Get it right. The younger Franco. Yeah, the younger Franco, the better Franco. True. Um, <laughs> the the not terrible Franco. Oh, she's also in um. Meet the, meet the Miller. Where the Millers? Oh yeah! I'm so upset with myself. Oh, she does show back up on American Horror Story, so she just ended up being in. I always forget that they started like mixing all those seasons together and making it one giant universe. Yeah. So she ends up coming back in American I, Horror Story. I'm so upset that I forgot she's in Where the Millers too. She's like, 
the best. She's one of the best parts of that movie. <laughs> I can't. I'm so upset with myself. Her, her, and Scream Four really just was like, this is the pinnacle. <laughs> but it's, oh my god. Well, that was the thing that I think Jesus. made everybody realize that she's more than just Julia Roberts niece yeah that like she had something more that she could bring to the table and she's willing to like go into things like scream for to do it yeah my god i'm really upset that i forgot she was in nerve <laughs> and we're the millers gotta move on from it though but yeah no i uh scream for i yeah i'm it was fun it's great the so. ending is is just as fun as all the other ones and yeah so we held off on you giving me very pertinent information so we can talk about this now. Tell yeah. me which one, tell me the ranking. I need to know the ranking so much. Okay, so. We're going to explode. We're going to explode. <laughs> All right. Now, ranking shit is really difficult for me because something with Scream, something, something like Scream, right? The Scream series. Saga? Scream Saga? What would you call Probably. it? Probably. I'd go with Saga because saga? I would start wrapping in the, 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 TV, the TV shows show? on top of that. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So the Scream Saga, the four movies, I really do love every single one of them. But there are, like, moments in ones that I could be like, okay, I'd rather watch that right now than this right now. So when I say this, know that I still love them all. This is like, yeah, this is like but... saying I'm ranking, like, I'm ranking this like is... these movies, but also I would put these movies above so many other oh, movies. Oh yeah, oh yeah. This is also this is basically like how I would want to watch them. If I were to like grab, if I if I didn't have anything to do and just wanted to watch a movie and I grab Scream, my ranking would be. Are you ready, Zach? Yes. <laughs> how much more can I delay this? I... No. Um, Scream two. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, that's not that's that's surprising. I'll tell you why <laughs> afterwards. Okay. But it's a pretty simple ranking. Um, Scream two. Scream the first one. Then Scream three. Scream four. Really? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Why? What is well, yours? Well, because because it's Scream one. Mm-hmm. And then two and four, I actually flip flop all the time. Okay. And then Scream 3 at the bottom. And that's not, again, really? that's not because I don't like Scream 3. I like Scream 3 for other reasons, but of the out of the four of them, it's the one that does not fit in with all of the others okay. as well, as smoothly. But I still love it I my ranking for more... some of its absurdity. So, so it's weird. My ranking goes on the ending. Like, it's 100% okay. purely the ending, like the payoff. Right. So... Scream 2, Laurie Metcalf, you can't fucking beat. You really can't. You I can't mean, actually, beat rewatching that. that. Rewatching that with you, I had a comp- – I, and again, it's the first time that I've watched this. I mean, I watched it last year, but I mean, especially yeah. I think after like Lady Bird <laughs> coming out. Exactly, all of a exactly. looking at Laurie Metcalf again and being like, yep, this is, sol- this is solid Metcalf right mm-hmm. here. Yeah, no. And I think after like uh, – like I had just – um. I think between the last two times I watched all of these, I had also done that whole marathon weekend where I watched all of the Friday the 13th movies. So like Pamela Voorhees was big in yeah, my mind yep. and like really comparing her to Pamela Voorhees this time was the first, like it was the first time I'd really done that. And mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, she's such a better version of Pamela Voorhees. Yeah. 
And so I don't even have that. I just have, like, it's based on the scream knowledge that I have. Right. So making the second movie, making the villain of the second movie the mother of the killer from the first movie just works perfectly. And, because and, of course there's going to be backlash. And a mother that like abandoned him in the like a big yeah. motivation for Billy in the first one was that his mother found out about his father's affair and exactly. fucking just bolted. Yep. And so the fact that she would then come back and be like, you like I, I, a year ago, I left my son, but I was going to come back. Yeah. And you killed him. And, you killed him. and like, what the hell is wrong with you? Yeah, yeah, no, it's this ranking definitely comes from I would much rather sit down and watch Laurie Metcalf and watch the movie again, knowing she is the knowing she's the killer <laughs> and just just to watch it and see how like fake she is and how how but how good she gets in with like Gail in some points, but also just like the like she is such a pseudo Gail that uh, it's just so gross and beautiful and fantastic. I love it. <laughs> and and that and the ending scene, like the final scene in the theater, is is the choreo like beautifully choreographed. Like it's just fun to watch. And feel so claustrophobic that it's like, yeah, this is, this is crazy. Yeah, for being and scary. a giant, uh, for like, being a giant auditorium, they shrink that space down into just the stage. Yep. It, it, yeah. Yeah. It's great. It really makes you feel like, not. It really makes you feel uncomfortable, and it's and I loved it. And then the I second also love, one. I also love in that, <laughs> like the fact that like. Um, it makes you feel claustrophobic until like that one, and, and then there's that one moment where you realize that all of that stone and stuff that's falling is fucking. It's just fake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, oh my god, they dropped all this shit on her, and then they like move it with like a push, and you're yep. like, oh, that's right, it's fucking. It's foam. <laughs> it's fucking stage dressing. Yeah, exactly. Not real stone. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. And then the the and then scream would go second because it's the original, and the again, watching Billy and Stu man like their their freaking energy at the end together is so so creepy and so good and it's such a good payoff because like while i was watching that i'm like all right i don't ever trust you billy i mean that's the thing i don't ever trust you (laughs) especially that scene with randy in the video store like yes. you watch that scene and then you watch the ending and you it kind of hits you in the head that's like how could they ever how could how it could, be anybody else but exactly, these two how exactly. could it ever be anybody but these two yeah and and it's just like that the moment where and and it's freaking Matthew Lillard also is just <laughs> like he is also a treasure he is he Laurie Metcalf is a treasure Matthew Lillard, Matthew Lillard is a treasure as well because the whole thing is like Man, I'm really bleeding out here, Billy. Like that whole—he just sells it incredibly. He, yeah, he he sells like whiny little baby. Yes. so well in yeah. that scene. I was like, oh, he definitely had mm-hmm. no idea. Like, it legitimately, yeah. he had no idea what he was yeah. getting himself into with this. Yeah. Like, that one is also really, really fun because—and I've mentioned this to you, and I mentioned it when we first watched Scream and first talked about it—but that one is so much fun. Because 
there are clear moments where you can tell it's different people doing the killing because yes. of the knife clean. Yes, Steven, yes, Steven, uh, Steve, like, Stu and Billy have completely different, different ideas of how they want to go about killing exactly. people. Exactly. And it's so it's so cool to real that like moment of realization at the end where it's like, oh shit, yeah, okay. I can see where there were where this one killed this one and that one killed this one. And and you said that people go on and they're like people like people play and try to figure out who does which killings. And it's just and it's all that knife clean that when whenever it's probably Stu. I think you said it was Stu because he does it with um, uh, Rose McGowan. Yes. I forget her name. But yeah. yes, he does it with Rose McGowan. Yeah. So it's it's definitely Stu who does it. And it's just, yeah, that somehow makes sense because Billy is clearly the more insane one. So he doesn't care about, like, he just wants to. Well, actually, he's the more subtle actually, one. Let's put it this way: he's, he's the, the more, more subtle one. Yeah. Whereas Stu is the one that wants to make a show out of everything, yes. because he's the one that really wants to be put on TV and like yeah. he wants to be put on trial and be shown on. Yeah. Exactly. So it it definitely is that that is so much fun to watch, and it's just that it's again that the choreography of these movies is brilliant, and I love it. <laughs> um, but yeah, that 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 payoff. I would I would love to watch that again. Scream three too. Like it's it the fact that it's her her half brother is a, is incredible to me. It's so like out like it of, just makes so, like, sense. It makes sense and also completely like convoluted soap opera shit. Yeah. But Scott Foley sells that. Scott Foley sells oh, that. So good. At that as uh, Raymond Ramon. Roman, 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 yeah. Roman, like Roman's like turn is just like I'm gonna go, <laughs> I'm gonna go through this whole storyline and be like just angry yeah. and crazy is so good, and he's he's got one of the best fights with Sydney, I think. Oh, of course, yes, yeah, he does. Um, yeah, in in the in the screening room, yeah, is the so like hand to hand fight yep. with them is yeah. so is well because, so and, and that's so cool too because it is pers it's more personal somehow than like the than the other two because so of course they're gonna get like close up and hand to hand and it's not just gonna be stabby stabby like attack you it is gonna he is gonna make it more personal because it's his half sister who practically stole his family from him (laughs) like yeah there's some shit going on there (laughs) But that one, too, the cool thing with that one, so watching them, obviously, I'm like, oh, they did it, they did it, they did it, they did it. That one, I didn't really suspect him until maybe 10 minutes before we saw his reveal, you know? It's it's when he dies off screen. It's when he dies off screen, they just find his body somewhere. Yeah. And it's like every other person in, in these we movies watch. gets like elaborate death scenes. Exactly. Exactly. Even but Billy, also... who fake dies in the first mm-hmm. one, you yeah. still see him get stabbed. Every single person we watch get killed. And it's like, okay, all right. You have always felt strange as a character because he also, it also feels like he has the least amount of screen time in general. 
if I'm remembering it correctly. Right. They always seem to come in with him like halfway through a conversation and he ends up leaving. He ends up leaving the room after whatever, after finishing up whatever he's saying. Mm -hmm. So he, he, so he's like, they do a really good job of like making you forget who he was. Like the scene where, um, I don't know her name, but where she goes and she has like a meeting with him. She has a phone uh, Jenny call. Jenny McCarthy. Yeah, it's it is Jenny McCarthy, right? Who gets okay. two scenes and dies, yes. just like her character. Yes. Yes. So Jenny, so it's Jenny McCarthy. When she goes for that phone call, I'm like, who the fuck is Roman? Like I don't even remember <laughs> who that is. And then and then it like clicked because you said something or I just remembered and I'm like, oh yeah, oh okay, yeah okay. Now I know who that is. But they do they do a good job of like. Letting you forget about who that character is. And that's like, at least I think for that's me. Like, Maybe I that think, was just me where I'm like, that guy, I don't care. I don't care about him. But well, uh, oh, like, no, you I should. think it's, it's weird because, like, Scott Foley is so ubiquitous now. He's everywhere in a lot of places. So he always shows up and then leaves. Yeah. And a lot of things. Like, Scrubs, his character, like, would show up for a few episodes and disappear. Um, uh, Scandal, he shows up again for, like, a few like a, episode, a few episode arc and then disappears and so like that's kind of what scott foley just does as a character actor mm-hmm. is he's great to come in so people go oh yeah it's scott foley it's that guy and then he leaves and that's usually it so like when he's in a movie and he just shows up for a scene and goes it's like oh yeah that was the scott foley moment bye yeah exactly <laughs> yeah and then again i again i like the family ending of four that's that's I like also that it's her cousin i like that it makes sense how like because the whole movie she's basically locked in her room and like yeah of course she's gonna leave to go kill people and also have a partner and also try and play it out exactly how sydney's life played out in like a short amount of time this is like yeah family drama like that is cool and scary and, and it think, works. And I think this is the reason why I end up always putting Scream 1 at the top mm. is that, like, I love Billy and Stu together. Yeah. And I love their dynamic together. And also separately, like, I, I love Stu getting the TV dropped on him. Yeah, yep, yep. And, like, Billy has, like, Skeet Ulrich has some great scenes by himself. Um, oh, later replayed by Luke Wilson. <laughs> that whole scene where he's like, your mom, your mom just died. She didn't leave you or something. Yeah. Like, the jackass line. Whereas... Scream 2 and Scream 4, I think both of those, you've got um, Laurie Metcalf and Emma Roberts are fantastic, and I love Timothy Oliphant, and I love that Culkin, but they are their characters are like great for the movie, and then when they show up as the secondary killers, they're largely disposable. Yeah. Like, they're, they're great, but the, and they serve their purpose, but they are much more sidekicks, as also, opposed to Stu and, Stu yeah, and Billy, who yeah. I think Stu is... Stu is also a sidekick, but he was more convinced that he was more that he was more a partner in that. It's mm-hmm. it's I think it's a bigger surprise to him that he is just a sidekick. Yeah. It's also the the um they they seemed like I don't know, they yeah, they're just pawns. And it's right. also not as surprising. Like as soon as Timothy uh Timothy Olyphant like was like and I'm like, Yeah, that makes sense. You've been recording this whole time. Like, that's not surprise. <laughs> right. And then it's just like, it's the fact that like, and then it, the, the surprise there is that Laurie Metcalf is the one yes. using him as a pawn. It's like, I'm yeah. not surprised that you're a pawn, but I'm surprised that Laurie yeah. Metcalf is the one using you. Yeah. 
and they, like same with the Culkin. You're surprised when it's you're surprised you're not surprised when he's the one that's when he turns around and stabs Kirby really because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it could go either way with either of them. But you're pretty sure it's one of those two. And then the fact that he's the one that stabs Kirby and surprise he's one of the killers. It's like yeah okay. And then it's more of a surprise that the one yeah. using him is Emma Roberts. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I didn't think of that, but yeah, you're you're totally right. Is Scott Foley alone? He is. He that's is, the, right? the only one that's like a okay. solo. Yeah. He's the solo act, which again is super his, freaking cool. His sidekick, his sidekick is the voice changer. Yes, <laughs> yes exactly. But what, the thing I like with Scream 4, the one that I like about the, the Jill and Charlie killings is that they utilize the teleporting killer thing. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of kills. I think I don't think there's a lot of kills that they do solo. I think they do a lot of partner killing so that they can do the, I'm going to close the door on you. Surprise, I'm behind this door now. Yeah. Yep. Zach? Yep, I'm still here. Oh, it sounded like you dropped out for a second. Nope, I was just waiting for you to finish your sentence. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> no, I was I was just going to I was going to agree with you on that because and that happens a lot with uh Stu and Billy too. Where it's like, "Oh shit, what the fuck is happening? How can it move so fast?" Right. Which yeah. was a trope that comes up in horror especially with jason to yeah. go back to friday the 13th there's like it's to the joke that joke is to the point where in friday the 13th the game they made teleporting a mechanic oh, wow. for him because they would just be like well he, his whole thing is that he walks real slow and is this big lumbering hulk of a giant but he will stab someone on the first floor and then he'll be in the attic yeah just just is <laughs> so like crazy yeah uh, but yeah so that's my ranking I'm I'm fine with it. I'm surprised by Good, it. I'm glad. But I'm fine with it. <laughs> what am I going to do? Tell you you're wrong? It's a ranking. <laughs> I already said you liked all four of them. It's not like you were like, oh, and also I just really hate Scream 2, so I just like don't even count that one. Like <laughs> That one doesn't exist in my like, mind. A lot of people that like, especially Scream 3, and Scream 2 in a lot of ways gets like, doesn't get a ton of love sometimes. Really? Um, that... I think Scream 2 over the years has gotten more, but mm. like Scream 3 is definitely like, stepchild of the fourth i mean i get that though i do get that i understand where that feeling comes from it like you said it definitely feels so different than the other ones they're leaning more into the meta-ness i feel yes and and that's all it is (laughs) and the thing with a lot of those is that like it's like scream one takes place like in small spaces like the small houses or the house party and all of that and then like scream two kind of expands that but even then like we said like that final fight is put just on the stage which so it feels more claustrophobic and scream 3 is the one where it's like we blew up a house and sent them flying half a block (laughs) away so (laughs) because we can because we can yeah yeah and so like scream 4 comes in and because a large part of what scream 4 is doing is sort of like in a is doing the like we're retelling the story of scream 1 for a modern audience kind of way is like they don't have the major house party, but they do have the barn where they're showing the movie marathon, just yep. like how they're all watching the movies at the party. And then, like, everything takes place in those, like, small hospital rooms or, like, in tiny houses. Yeah. So they, they really confine things again yeah. in, a, in a better way. So, yeah. So that puts that capper on the screen film franchise. We'll definitely get to watch that that VH1 show oh. that when that comes out, that miniseries. Yeah. I think Hell it's yeah. next week. Is it that soon? I think so. Damn. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the other thing we did this week, Dale. Yes. Yes, Zach. <laughs> is that Dale's 
Dale's love for Spider-Man was rejuvenated yet again in Spider-Man Far From Home, yep. which... What? Yep. I'm just oh, saying, okay. yeah. <laughs> I couldn't tell if you were like, I thought you were going to stop me. It's was like, wait, what? Did you see it a second time and then decide it was terrible? No! <laughs> um, we, we went and watched... Um, Far from home on its like special Tuesday opening. Crazy. It's weird Tuesday opening. Crazy. Which, it's uh, Midsummer, the film that's like from the guy that made Hereditary. That was like the big horror, like the big like prestige horror film last year. This year they were like, we're gonna come out the day before Fourth uh, of July. Spider Man comes out on the fifth, so we're gonna get like two days maybe before we get drowned out by Spider Man. And then Spider Man turns around, is like, oh, actually, we're coming out on Tuesday. Yeah. We've decided, and completely drowning that movie out. I feel so bad for them. Yeah, <laughs> because I Disney that was definitely peeled. screwed them over. No, this was A twenty four. Was it? I don't really? think it's Bloom House. Yeah, because I don't think it's even Bloom House. I think it's either Annapurna or A twenty four that put those ones out. Oh. Huh. Yeah. Um, okay. But anyway, I was just like, I was thinking about that as I was, you know, staring off into space at one of my jobs yesterday. <laughs> um, but yeah, Spider-Man Far From Home came out, and it's fantastic. It's... It was a beautiful capper to, like, after Endgame was, like, kind of underwhelming and also way over dramatic and sad. Far From Home comes in and does what, um, you know, what Homecoming and Ant-Man have always kind of been used for, mm-hmm. or what was kind of used for in this franchise, which was we need some lightheartedness stuck in here and like far from home is like oh it's so good it's such a good nice little comedy action film to come in at the end of this and be like let's all take a breather and get ready for what comes next Mm -hmm. because really we don't know what the slate for mcu is after this so this has to kind of be what we go with for a little bit yeah yeah i um i i'm gonna start this off by saying i really hope you get to see it a second time i might go tonight I've been trying to figure out. I kind of want to go to another movie later today. Yeah. And then I'm like awake. So it was either that or Aladdin. I still haven't seen Aladdin. That's yeah, still got some shit. Yeah, seriously. But, but I might go see Spider-Man yet. Who knows? <laughs> I, I I really hope you get to because it it holds up. A, I saw it this morning. Like it holds up for a second <laughs> viewing. And um, okay. before we go any further, yeah. I know that we spoiled a bunch of stuff for Scream. Those are 25 to 10 year old films that we were talking about. This is very important, everybody. The spoiler friends are here because we have to talk about so many great things in this movie. And so many of those things come in the second half when we have to start talking about spoilers. So just be prepared. Keep, be prepared for spoiler friends. If you, yes. Spoiler if you have friends. like spoiler, spoiler friends. friends. So <laughs> it's the most you get out of me for singing. Um, I, I always forget what the next line is i have it written down somewhere Um, i have it recorded we are we are tom holland at the beginning of the second uh far from home trailer where he comes out in his like adorable accent it's like if you haven't seen endgame yet just you know this is gonna spoil so many things don't watch it (laughs) don't watch this (laughs) exactly okay so yes i freaking loved every second of this movie um and it and I'm so happy because I was so nervous for it <laughs> because I, I do still like Homecoming but there's a lot in Homecoming that doesn't work for me just like for the character for the character Spider-Man alone and I've mentioned these so I don't need to go into that but this really just like 
allowed this character of Spider-Man and and Peter Parker to be Spider-Man and Peter Parker and it fixed everything. <laughs> this is what this is a film that like the best MCU films that have come out mm. in my opinion, <laughs> taking that for what it's worth. Because I, I like most of the MCU. I like the MCU um, canonically more than Dale. <laughs> um, but I like them. I just, whatever. They're right. Not, but there's, yeah. there's, there's like, there's a, they are a specific animal. They oh, are yes. an episodic storytelling yes. of not just sequels within their own characters, but they are sequels to each other. They are a larger mm-hmm. expanded universe, cool. all of that. Which is a cool experiment, yes. and I like that they do it, and I like that there are highs, and I, there, that's just a thing that's going to create highs and lows naturally. Mm-hmm. I but agree. the best MCU films are the ones that were able to kind of keep themselves out of that shit. Yep. <laughs> so Black <laughs> Panther, like even though Black Panther has does like a large chunk of storytelling going into Infinity War, mm-hmm. it also exists as its own movie. Like the whole thing is to set up the idea is like to basically the whole point, like if you're going to put Black Panther into its context for what comes up in Infinity War, it's mostly so they don't have to explain what Wakanda is again. Yeah, because <laughs> they already kind of explained what Wakanda was in Civil War. But this was like your introduction to Wakanda and why it's important, like why it's such a cool, important place to have the fight in Infinity War. But other than that, it is its own awesome story. Yes. About the history and the story of Wakanda. And like Thor Ragnarok, even though it is the third Thor film taking place completely separately from where Thor has taken place before and out of the universe and like its own dimension is like its own story. And even Guardians of the Galaxy, like the first one, Mm -hmm. was like a huge departure of in the middle of phase two when we're getting like Winter Soldier and all of the depressing dark MCU shit for Guardians to come in and be like, but now on the other side of the galaxy, <laughs> people are still dancing to 80s music. <laughs> and they like was comes in as its own fun thing. And it's even the same with like Ant Man. Oh yeah. It's like, what if we re- what if we told you that like basic superhero story we've been telling, but we did it with comedy. So this is just like this feels like one of those <laughs> where Far From Home feels like it got to be its own thing which does reference what came before it is in large ways, you know, a reaction to Endgame. Oh yeah. But is like the world is moving on and now these characters have to start figuring their shit out after Endgame. Yeah. And it does it it's such a oh it's such a good way. And the opening, the opening Dale, that in memoriam <laughs> and the explanation of the blip <laughs> is so good. Which I need to say I I still like get, calling it the uh, the people who get snapped, not blipped. Right. But, but I but, do like that it has a name, and it makes sense. Right. They were the snapped during, during the time the they snapped, were gone. But now they were they the blipped the after they returned. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It no, also I get that. like and also just like I like the idea of like the only people that really know it was a snap are the Avengers that were there. Cause yeah. everybody else, as far as they know, they just don't know fucking disappeared. Exactly, so. exactly. That's true. Yeah, no, but their explanation of like how time moved, how aging happened, um, like finally addressing all of that was incredible. Was While still that... not telling you what fucking year it is. Nope. And is, I, and I oh, tried to find fine. a year of my second viewing and could not every single thing. Everything that I I was like, oh, I'll look at the check that Happy brings in. No fucking date on it. (laughs) 
as long as the here's the thing because that sets up the precedent that they just should never say it i never want to know now yeah because your one chance to explain that to me was this movie Mm -hmm. so now it just is what it is and we never talk about it yeah just never anyone ever is allowed to say a year in the mcu again (laughs) yeah i mean i'm sure someone out there has done can and do a timeline because you start with captain marvel is in the 90s and just work your way forward right and even that like her having been gone for however many years yeah Yeah. let's get into some the thing about astrophysics that my brain still can't wrap around which is that once you get off earth time is different once you get off of a planet time goes differently so she could have been gone for five years for all she knew and it's that scene in interstellar where they go down to the planet and come up and the guy on the 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 ship is aged 30 years or whatever waiting for them right so like yeah time 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 and space moves different Right. Once you start getting into space travel and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So like when people talk about how Captain Marvel was gone for so long, it's like she was probably gone for like a month as far as she knew. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Came she back pro- to she probably shit. didn't know. Like she probably right. had I mean, no concept of it. She went out to do other shit. Yeah. Um, also, that is an, that's another one that because I love – you know how much I love Captain Marvel. And it really does – kind of stay away from all the MCU shit. And again, like, by being 25 years ahead of time. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Um, and and so like like I'm sure there's someone out there that could probably rationalize it as like we don't theoretically up until most of for the most part those the Marvel movies as they come out are happening alongside whatever year they come out yeah. you could probably do some like wiggle room with Infinity War and Endgame where that's like well Infinity War especially in Infinity War and Endgame where it's like well the events of Endgame are five years after 2018 mm-hmm. when Infinity War happened so like. That's at least 2023. But then even then, you could probably be like, well, if we just say that Infinity War actually happened in, like, 2016. There's no reason that can't not take place in 2016. So really, it's 2021. Jeez, it's only two years ahead of us now, so it's not as weird. Like, you can probably start getting to some weird oh, justification yeah, that sure. way, I'm which sure. I'm sure people have already started doing. Yeah. So <laughs> It's crazy. But, uh, yeah, like you said, I'm okay, and I don't – I'm okay that there's no year. I'm okay that – People don't say it. I I don't need because it. The more, yeah, because the more important <laughs> Unless it's thing, pertinent. Unless, right. like, it changes the story somehow. I don't because need it. Because as Endgame <laughs> told us, a lot doesn't really change in five years, even when half the fucking population disappears. Yeah. So really... Uh, uh-huh. uh. Yeah. Anyway. We that's never the really thing. got to talk about Endgame on, on No, here. and really, I mean, because ultimately what it comes down to is that, like... There was a lot that I really liked in Endgame moment to moment. I think the larger story, I don't think it, it is a little underwhelming after oh, what was uh, set yeah. up in Infinity War. Yeah. And I think that, especially logistically speaking, things like it jumps ahead five years mm-hmm. and it doesn't seem like a lot changed. Yeah. And like certain people would disappear when you take away half the people of a city that would like do things like run the power grid. So like that would be important. You can't just yeah. continue with half the city gone. Like, I know a lot of stuff is automated, but to go back to Stephen King, one of my favorite scenes in the Stand miniseries is they have, like, a whole scene about how they get the power plant up and running again because they, like, in that, like, 80% or more of the planet dies from a plague. Mm-hmm. And so, like, people are like, oh, shit, we don't know how to make power for our houses because the people that did that died Mm. and so it's like a big massive scene when they're like they've got like everybody who's still alive like in this power plant all excited to watch gary sinise flip a fucking switch and turn the power grid back on (laughs) but it's so good 
and like the fact that like Endgame is just like, oh yeah, the but the saddest thing is that like people need support groups because like their loved ones disappeared, and also there's no baseball. But other than that, the rest of the world basically <laughs> moved on perfectly fine. That's yeah. about a that's about it. It's like oh, oh man, that's that's. That's an endgame problem, though. <laughs> and I don't want Far From Home to suffer because the endgame story was not yeah. good enough. And I don't and so think it does. Did, and, no, I think and, they did the best with what they had, yeah. and that is to just, like, make jokes about people coming back yep. in the middle of basketball games. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they very – they did what you – like, they took the coping mechanism of we're going to make jokes about this and, like, brought it to that nth degree of, like, yeah, no – we're just moving on, and we are going to joke about it, and we are going to have the co-hosts of the daily morning thing of the high school just be like, yeah, it's it's weird. Like, my my younger brother is now older than me, and it kind of sucks. It's and like, also, we, yeah. we flipped out after midterms, and they made us retake do, this entire school year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and him just being like, shit got real. She's like, no, you can't swear. No, but that's it's what happened. School. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh my god. It was just, yeah, so good. And it, so a lot of my, you know, I've brought this up before in the past where it's like the Tony, like, Peter relationship in Homecoming is really what sucks for me right. <laughs> in it's, Homecoming. And it, and it's extremely heavy handed. <clears throat> yeah. That's what it really comes down to is like if he had been in like two scenes. Yeah. It probably would have been fine, but the fact that they make it the story really makes it. And I think I've said this. I know I've said this to you in real life. I think I've said this on the podcast. It makes it Iron Man four. Exactly. It makes Homecoming much more of an Iron Man four, but it mm-hmm. does its own spider. Its yeah. own spider. Like film. I like I like them together in Infinity War. I think it works. I think that is m- like way more their friend, not friendship. Their like mentor, mentorship, teacher, whatever. Right. Like their their partnership in that is more fun and more enjoyable to watch because it really is like Tony does care about this kid, but Tony also is like, okay, this kid can handle himself. I don't need to be down his throat the entire time. Um, Whereas in homecoming, it's very much like, no, you're a baby. I need to not let you do anything when it's like, no, that's not, True. And I can't help and but it's feel really hard to watch. Yeah, and I can't help but feel the hand of Marvel on that, mm. where they were like, "We just got Spider-Man back. Well, not even back. We're still sharing him with Sony. <clears throat> yeah. So we still got this weird joint custody situation with Sony going on. Yeah. We got him for that one scene in Civil War. We're gonna get him for a movie, but we want to make sure that, like, we really want." To put our hand down and say, mm-hmm. this is an MCU film, so we have to have Tony Stark around. Yeah. And be like, Robert Downey Jr. has to Robert Downey Jr. this movie to say, this <laughs> is an MCU it. film. Yeah. And also, like, we're just not sure yet if, like, Tom Holland can carry this movie alone. And this is the, and it's, but for Far From Home, by the time you get to that, and, you know, we've gotten some of the best acting out of Tom Holland, it, mm-hmm. his getting dusted. And watching Tony die, yeah. Someone finally went, "Oh fuck, that's right. He's an actor. We can we can make this movie with these with these people together, and it'll be fine. We can let him breathe and do his own thing." And I think that that specifically also was difficult for me because I had seen Tom Holland in other movies be this like really good actor. <laughs> Because he was in, he was in 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 the heart of the sea, 
with uh, Chris Hemsworth, and it's it's incredible. Like he's this kid going out on this expedition, and the shit that he has to deal with and watch, it's it's he's great. And then he was in Lost City of Z with um, crap. Why can't I think of his name? Why can't I think? That's Charlie Hunnam. It's, it's Charlie Hunnam. Thank you. Hunnam. Okay. I was uh, I was about to say. I was about to say, like, Charlie something, <laughs> and you save the day. No, um, World uh, Lost City of Z, Tom Holland's not in much of it because it really is a, mainly about Charlie Hunnam going out and, like, finding this, you know, society. Um, but he comes in for the last maybe, like, this is this is kind of a spoiler for World uh, – for not World War Z. It's kind of a spoiler for Lost City of Z, but – in the trailers, it shows Tom Holland and Charlie Hunnam, like, hanging out together, so whatever. But he comes in for maybe the last, I don't know, quarter of the movie. I don't, like, maybe the last 20, 20, 30 to 20 minutes. I don't know. I'm really bad with timing. Um, but <laughs> the last the, act of that movie, maybe? He's in the last, like... Yeah, he's, like, in the last act. Time. Yeah. Right. Um, really, like, really in the last act. And he is just... The emotion that he has, the... It, it, dude's a, dude's an actor. Like he can he can handle himself. So coming off of like seeing those kind of movies to seeing how they handle Tom Holland's acting and like Tom Holland in general, like what he can do in Homecoming was hard <laughs> for me because <laughs> I'm like he's still an amazing actor because he's playing this kid really really well. Like it's not on Tom Holland. It's no, it's on, they. They didn't know. They were they afraid. Were like, of, they were afraid of letting Spider Man be Spider Man. Exactly. Like yeah. It's like no, you're still a child and you still don't know anything. But it's like yeah, but that's not that's not Spider Man. That's not <laughs> a good Spider Man character <laughs> because even throughout the entire thing of Spider Man, like at least to my knowledge, throughout the multi the multiverse of Spider Man, all of the Spider Verses, he is always capable. Or she is always capable. And, and Whoever it's always a is the spider in the situation is a capable, smart person who is not dumb. Right. And it's it's like... always a, it always to me it always <laughs> felt like Peter Parker is a nervous, awkward kid. Yeah. Until it, but what, until he puts the mask on, and then he doesn't have to worry about mm-hmm. people, yeah. you know, seeing him as Peter Parker. Yeah. Like putting the mask on means he gets to be kind of a cocky little shit sometimes. Yeah. Because that's just because that gives him that confidence of I've got the mask to, to hide behind, so mm-hmm. people don't have to worry so much exactly. if, about Spider about Peter Parker in general. And yeah, and all of his um like non confidence in Homecoming just feels like projections from Tony, and it's like I feel like if Tony wasn't here, you would be that confident child, like you would be the confident child that you are. Like, right. And it just feels like, oh, okay. So Tony's your mentor, but he's also bashing you pretty hard. He's not like, it's not like a mentor who's, who's like, I'm hard on you because I know you can do it. It doesn't feel like that. It just feels like I'm hard on you because I don't want anything to happen to you because I don't trust you. (laughs) Whereas in, whereas in Far From Home, you get that distance. You get those. You still get those feelings where it's like he's like, I I can't do this. I can't do this. Tony Tony didn't. He know what he knew how I screwed up. He knows that like 
he but now he trusts me like in his death he somehow trusts me again and now i'm gonna hand these over and to the bad guy it's like oh no 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 nobody he's saying that but that's a sad scene too because it's like no he's finally saying that he does trust you so but there's still that like projection of like unconfident self from tony even in his death and it's also like and it's also a situation um first off that's (sighs) what just the, the the fact that like the the story of the Infinity Saga is the story of Tony Stark fucking up and still yeah. being too cocky to realize it. Yeah. Um. And but I was what I was gonna say was the the idea of like him putting his trust in the wrong person because he doesn't have entire confidence in himself is mm-hmm. also like I think about the the Spider-Man PS4 game yep. where it's like he has all of this trust in the cops and in Mr. Negative mm-hmm. and then it turns out that well he doesn't know it's Mr. Negative yet but Mr. Lee. That, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Of, of like all this confidence in Mr. Lee and then it turns out Mr. Lee is also Mr. Negative and he yeah. puts all of his confidence in the cops and then the cops turn around and they start giving all of his control over to Sable mm-hmm. and then Sable comes in and they're basically like robot Nazis yeah. coming in to take over like this like fascist regime to take over the city and all of this stuff like Spider-Man has a history of kind of putting his trust in the wrong people I am so like, glad that Ock. you and like Doc Ock and stuff like that, yep. of like, like he he wants to see the best in people, mm-hmm. which means that he goes and puts his trust in those people sometimes. And a lot of that is because he puts so much on himself that he gets overwhelmed. And so it's now that that now that I'm so overwhelmed, it would be so nice to trust somebody to take this off of my chest. Yep. And, <laughs> and of course, and ultimately, wrong. and ultimately, it's the wrong person almost every time. Yeah. Yeah. No, and that's I'm actually really happy that you brought that up because that is exactly what Devin and I were talking about on Tuesday uh, after we saw it because I was like I think the the thing about Homecoming that doesn't work for me is that Tony is too perfect for like in a way because ev- like you said every single mentor that Peter has had has been bad has become bad Tony can't be father figure which i don't agree with but i don't love that side of it either (laughs) but it's like tony can't be both he can't be a mentor and a father figure because you know tony is never tony stark iron man is never going to be the bad guy he's just not well the problem is like he's a bad guy right there we go i was gonna say tony stark is never going to be a villain be a villain perfect Yes, yes yes He is a bad guy. <laughs> he is a, he's he a, learns he's from a, his mistakes and shit, but he does. He is this cocky asshole yeah, that is somehow is a, charming. Right. But it, it, you can't. He's too perfect of a of a person for 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 Peter Parker to like look up to because you don't get any friction there. You don't get any conflict. You you get nothing there. You just basically get another like. I, I would say Uncle Ben, but you don't. I was don't. about to say that, like, but he, but you do you don't, but you do. I think what happened was they wanted to jump in with Spider-Man already existing. Yeah. So they didn't want because they didn't want to retread the Uncle Ben story. Mm-hmm. The problem is that without the Uncle Ben story, you don't really have a good way of setting up whatever version of Peter Parker you're yeah. doing. Yeah. So they kind of had to do that over the course of those of the what four movies that he shows up in before mm-hmm. by having by first establishing this father figure relationship with Tony and then killing him. Yeah. Like you need to see, like, I, I, like it sucks that like 
because you don't want to retell the same story every time. But yeah. the story of Peter Parker in Spider-Man is the story of Uncle Ben's death. And if you're going to take and Uncle Ben that, out of the picture, yeah. right, and then how he then builds responsibility off of that. Yeah. So if you're going to take Uncle Ben out of the picture, you're basically just going to whatever father figure comes next has to be that father has to be that Uncle Ben figure. Yeah. So they had to build up this relationship with Tony and kill him so that Spider-Man could turn around and be like, this is what it means to take responsibility and be a hero. Yeah. Which I, I, it really just upsets me <laughs> that it's like, that it's Tony Stark. Right, because it just feels erased Uncle Ben from the picture yeah, of that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's like you took all of that, all of what he learned from Uncle Ben and basically made it non-existent and made it seem so less. Like, yeah, you get in Far From Home, which was good. Like, you get that his, he is using Uncle Ben's uh, suitcase great love it i'm happy you gave a nod to him but like you replaced him with this rich dude who is an asshole <laughs> and that's nah, nah. yeah doesn't work because again every father figure that to that peter has had has died and every mentor that he has has become evil you can't have it both ways in tony stark <laughs> That's just how I view it. <laughs> right. And it's unfortunate because, again, because the, like, if the one thing I'm going to fall far from home from, from is the same thing that I've always faulted the MCU for, which is how much of, like, how much is just Tony's screw-up specifically mm -hmm. seems to get, get put out on, well, you know, the evil people did this. It's like, yeah, again, using Tony Stark's bullshit to do it. Yeah. Like, it's the same with, like, Ultron. Ultron is ultimately Tony Stark's fault. Oh, Almost yeah. entirely. I mean, yes. and yet, and yet, Age of Ultron leads to the fucking Sokovia Accords, and it becomes so much about the Sokovia Accords that we don't really talk about the fact that it, we don't ever really reconcile the fact that really it's only Tony Stark that has to be fucking reined in. Everybody else is kind of doing fine. I mean, they have their other they have other things like other alien invasions and things that are destroying <laughs> towns and stuff like that. But when it really comes down to it, it's mostly Tony Stark's fault. <laughs> Yeah. Which is why, which is why he's the one. Like, it's fine that he's the one that sacrifices himself, but then you get to Far From Home, where even dead, I'm the hero, and also even dead, I fucked everything up, and you yeah. have to clean up my mess yeah. again. Exactly. <laughs> the villain is a guy like enacting his revenge on me, pretty much, and the yeah. world. <laughs> like, yeah, no, it's a. Uh... But yeah, I I think Far From Home really did fix all of my issues that I had with the character of Spider-Man that they were creating in the MCU. Cause it's like, Oh no, you do know what Spider-Man's whole story is about. You do know how to handle a spider, And I'm okay with variability. I'm okay. I am a big like supporter of things can be malleable, but also they need to work. <laughs> they, right. They... I mean, the whole the whole concept of having multiverses in comics and having yes. like non-canonical stories yeah. and this and that is so that you can do things like change up change up plot lines and yeah. change up characters a little bit. Yeah. Like so. if 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 Tony was just a father figure to Peter, I think I would be okay with it. But he does cross that line of mentor and it's like, yeah, but you're not you're not and if you're going to do that, you have to have a moment where Peter, like what they missed was an opportunity for Peter to turn to Tony and be like, dude, what the yes, fuck? Yeah. Like you have like to, I, you have to have that fight. You have to have a fight. There had, right. If there had been a moment in, in homecoming where he actually turned around and was like, you know what, Tony, I actually don't need you. Yeah. 
because of this shit. I'm going to grab my old suit and do my things my mm-hmm. own way because, mm-hmm. quite frankly, you fuck everything up that you touch. Yeah. That would have been a completely different movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. But it, it this one really does, like, show, like, hey, okay, we can let this kid be this kid and look how fucking strong he is. <laughs> I'm really strong like, and really sticky. That is probably my favorite best, line in the whole movie. Because line. then he gets hit by the fucking train. And he's just like, well, because he's really strong and really sticky, he crawls his way back into that train. Yep. I love I love when Happy yells like when he when he like when they go up on the plane and Happy's like, stay sticky. And I'm like, oh, this is As he's so falling off funny. of the plane. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I also, I also really, really like to talk about you and my ass. <laughs> I really love the whole, yeah, no, like that was, this is just, I don't do this stuff. Bitch, please. You went to space. That was an accident. Oh, the it's fact like, that, can what? we talk about the fact that Talos said, bitch, please. You've been to space. Yeah. Can we, <laughs> can we talk about the fact that Nick Fury is fucking Talos? Yeah. Because like, I'm not going to get into the deep possibilities of what that means with how long Talos has necessarily been Nick Fury, but mm. just this movie. Yeah. The idea of Sam Jackson is playing Ben Mendelsohn pretending to be Sam, Sam Jackson yeah. is so funny to me. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. <laughs> because it's like fantastic. I think of a I think of a line like "Bitch, please, you've been to space." As oh, this is what someone imitating Samuel L. Jackson would say. Oh Actually, yes, that's exactly what that line is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then what about Captain Marvel? Don't invoke her name. Invoke is a strong word. Invoke is a strong word that doesn't quite make sense for Nick Fury. But. But it means more. But it means more to Talos. Yes. Because this is a woman. This is a woman who fucking saved us and found us a home. You don't. You don't get to. Yeah. Like that scene. That uh, that scene means so much more knowing that it's Talos. It really does. Like, ugh. And also just the fact that, like, like so much of that, like, sh- that, that operation uh, is, I mean, it's all Skrull. I mean, when it really comes oh, down yeah. to everyone that's in the basement of that, <clears throat> uh, in, in, in that basement dungeon or whatever mm-hmm. are all scroll but like then they're in that they're in the tower later and it's just Nick Fury and Maria Hill and there's a point where you're kind of like, why where are where's shield yeah where why are they why are these two doing everything by themselves well, like i haven't watched i haven't been watching agents of shield and quite for, i mean what it comes down to is after the blip god knows where shield stands so it Let could go. just be like i could see it just being the two of them but like i'm pretty sure shield is is done non-existent right evil yeah I I like Devin and our dad watch it and every now and then I'll come home and like catch the end of an episode like shield's bad. Well, what's interesting is like <laughs> like I has like, always been bad. <laughs> what I like about Agents of Shield and what I like that especially it became was that they have to kind of deal with what the rest of the MCU does. And so you get things like um the the rise of Hydra Mm. as shield with yeah. like bill paxton is fantastic in that season but you get that whole thing where oh shield is actually hydra from winter soldier and they have to deal with that and mm-hmm. then like re like reimagining shields like whole purpose after like the discovery that oh by the way people have superpowers so like i'm in season four right now yeah because it's in season five right that they're are yeah. they in season I six now six. 
they're in season six now up to season five is what's on netflix yeah. so i'm on season four right now but like so much of that show is like dealing with shit mm-hmm. so i don't know where shield is anymore because they're also two years ahead of me at this point yeah so but like the idea like i i justified the fact that it was just nick fury and maria hill running around and then sometimes they had people with them and sometimes they didn't i was like oh they're just pulling shit together because god knows what shield is doing after everybody came back they're just probably rogue for all i know that makes sense for them but yeah i don't don't know (laughs) maria hill uh when he goes to leave and he's like hey good to see a hill she's like yep sure bye yeah <laughs> like, well, oh, because he specifically calls her ma'am every every interaction ends with ma'am with her and she's just like mm-hmm right <laughs> and then it's just like damn <laughs> um <sighs> but yeah i there was there was a part of me that was hoping expecting captain marvel to show up at some point um because arguably they he uh like Peter Parker and Captain Marvel have had some of the most like interaction. It feels like in that five other... minutes that they're in, in that Endgame. five minutes that they're in Endgame together. It just feels like more than anyone else. I mean, she has interactions with all of the other Avengers, but it, like that moment just feels more. And it yeah. would have been cool for her to show up and been like, "Hey, kid." Uh, yeah, you need to take care of this because I can't fucking stay here. There's shit going around the galaxy. <laughs> yeah, it would have it would have been cool. I'm okay that she didn't, but it, I would have screamed. I was prepared to scream in the theater <laughs> for her. <laughs> but I did scream when the PS4s when the PS4s oh my god happened. the selfie yes. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> oh man, that was the other thing is that this whole movie feels like. Um, I mean, I don't know what criticisms they are in praises and stuff they got of Homecoming. Yeah. So, like, who knows? But who knows how many people? I, I'm, I'm sure there are probably more people that feel like you about it than me uh, in a lot of ways. But I just oh, Homecoming. Like, yeah, it okay. feels yeah. like yeah, it feels like they took after Homecoming. They took a step back. They you know got out of all of the Infinity Saga stuff. Yep. And they also looked at things like. Sam Raimi Spider-Man and PS4 Spider-Man and went, oh, this is what people want out of Spider-Man. Yeah. And, like, they wanted to also pay homage to that stuff by having J. Jonah Jameson show up. Oh, my God. And also to have the selfie from the S4 show up. Be like, we we understand that these are the things about Spider-Man that have been beloved in the last, like, 20 years. And we don't want to erase that just because you know, just because the MCU has a tendency to do its own thing. Yeah. Like we are recognizing that that fandom exists, mm-hmm. which was just, it was a powerful thing to do. I think oh, it was yeah. a smart plan. Oh, definitely. Um, I read an article right before the movie today too, about the, um, the insomniac team for Spider-Man went as like, uh, as a group to go see the Spider-Man far from home. And in the article, one of the writers said, the theater erupted with <laughs> like just laughter and claps and cheering when that little homage happened. <laughs> and I could just imagine like being in that theater with the Insomniac crew. I mean, it could have been private viewing, who knows, but like I could just imagine being in that theater and just that eruption of 
of excitement right. happening. Because you have to imagine that, like, like, you worked on that game and someone comes to you and is like, we got we got special screening to the yeah. new Spider-Man movie. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that there was, a like, Marvel was like, Marvel got us these tickets and they were like, cool, that sounds great. Yeah. That feels good that they also included us in this. And mm-hmm. then to be like, oh, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, uh, oh. I was surprised it didn't get more of a reaction on Tuesday. I mean, the question is, who, I mean, who plays played that? the game? Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, like out of the cr- out of the crowd, like because it's the MCU is so much bigger than most fandoms because of the, the just size and the scope of it. Size of it, yeah. Like like half that audience that we were with were adults who probably have not played the game, That's and true. younger kids who might not have played the game or at least did not like see that in the game. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to tell. So I don't know. I don't know. I loved it. It was good. It was fantastic. <laughs> but I'm ex- like I'm I'm excited now to see what they do next. Like mm-hmm. we don't know. Like obviously they're working on Guardians three, and they're working on Black Panther two, and they're working on um, Cap two. <clears throat> Cap two. Or Captain I was trying Marvel to think. Too. Yeah, I was trying to think of. Um, oh God, what's the Asian? Oh, oh you, you Asian said it. character that's got the guy from. Um, the movie you like Wasn't with it like, Larson, um... Shang Shangli, Shangli, maybe I can't remember. It's not a character that I know very well. So like, but they're yeah. working on that. But I don't know when that comes out either. Like, we're in the spot right now. I don't know what the next Marvel movie is that comes nope. out or when. No idea. I think it because it was supposed to be Guardians three this fall. I think. Oh. Really? And then all of the shit with James Gunn happened. Oh God. Because that got delayed after all of that. So I don't know if that's still the next one and that comes out in the spring or summer or what, but we have not been in this place in 12 in a while, years. Well, yeah, in a while. <laughs> and also, with the freaking reveal of <laughs> Peter Parker being Spider-Man, God, that was I don't so know what good. the hell is going to happen. What I, the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I, I cannot believe that that is how this movie fucking ended. And it's just like, Jesus, you like, be where does this man. go? Where yeah. does this freaking go from here and i've i don't think i've been this excited for a marvel movie like for a for a continuance or what the future of marvel is gonna bring yes i don't think i've ever been this excited to like see the next stage because i was excited for captain marvel i was excited for infinity war but like this feeling of like oh my god i have literally no idea (laughs) <laughs> is is exciting <laughs> yeah and oh, until they because especially and i think it especially helps that like we don't know what their next big arc yeah. is in the same way that we didn't know what their big arc was when nick fury shows up at the end of iron man mm-hmm. we know that he wants to create the avengers so we knew the avengers were coming yeah. that's about it we didn't know anything about like Thanos and Infinity War and all that so like we're in a place right now where i just don't know what they want to do next and i'm like I don't want to know for a while. No, I don't. Give either. me a couple of movies before you decide to start there, putting some things together. There's stuff that people... I want to happen. Like there's yeah. there's characters that I want to show up. Right. But I don't. But I mean, know if, if, they if, are. if this is if they're going to be building up to another you know major crossover event in ten years or whatever. Yeah. If that's how they're going to keep planning these things out, I don't want to know what that arc is for a while. Nope. Nope. Whether it's I new want, Avengers yeah. or like or <clears throat> like Midwest Avengers or some yeah, crazy yeah. shit like that, sure. But I but. want it. I want to feel like I did after I saw Iron Man, the very first Iron Man, of like that was a great movie. 
don't know if there's ever going to be another one. Right. <laughs> like when when I first saw Iron Man, very first, very very first Iron Man, I was like, oh shit, that was that was great. I loved every second of it. But you had we had no knowledge of anything else. I mean, because on, on top of, and on <laughs> top of that, we had um. We had no knowledge of anything else. We also didn't have a Marvel owned by Disney. Yes. That was Marvel, like, fucking throwing a Hail Mary mm-hmm. out of their own finances mm-hmm. so that they could make some, so they wouldn't have to close down as a company. Yeah. So, I mean, oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a cool, weird spot that we stand in today as far as Marvel goes. Cool. And I think in that cool, weird spot is where we're going to... We're going this almost two hour episode. Talk for a living. I don't say living. I don't make money off of this. I talk for a hobby. Um, I think that good weird spot is where we're going to call this episode. Um, I think that's going to be the title. I actually have most of this weekend off, so I'm going to try and get more of our episodes up on YouTube because uh, in a bit of weird-ish news. Um, We're right in the middle of trying to figure out where we're going to be kind of shifting our hosting for the podcast. Yes. And so some of our older episodes might disappear for a little bit on the feeds, but they're still up on YouTube, and they'll always be up on YouTube, and the internet is forever. And we've still got the episodes (laughs) saved in different ways, and we'll always figure out ways to put them around. So, um, But for now, you can find us on YouTube. If you search Say Report Junior, that's Say Report JR. Um, and all of our episodes and Hot Topics and Let's Plays and stuff are there. Our SRJ Presents, I should say. They're not Let's Plays. I don't know if that's copywritten by anybody. Oh, it can't uh, be. But I, YouTube I, is weird. Yeah. Um, you can also find us on Twitter at Say Report Junior, and you can find us individually. I am at Zerwiski. And I am at Dale's Brain. You can also find us on Spotify and iTunes yes. and all of that stuff. Uh, we also have been remiss in getting to congratulate our wonderful uh, closing host, yes! Liz. Uh, yeah, just Liz! recently had a baby. Congratulations, Liz. Congratulations, Liz. Um, I think that means we all deserve ice cream. Yes, I guess we except do. babies. Babies don't need ice cream. I'll take the baby's ba- portion. Babies can have ice cream, I think. I can they? Have... I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we'll take it. We'll take cool. the baby's ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah Report Jr. stealing ice cream from babies. Take it away, Liz. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Say Report with your hosts, Dale Decker and Zach Sarawick. Please follow the guys on Twitter and Facebook by searching for The Say Report. And you can always subscribe on your podcast channel so this is delivered straight to you and you can enjoy it every week. With apologies to your mother, we'll see you next time.